Hello and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo show brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. Today we have Randy Nonnenberg, the founder or co-founder of Bring a Trailer, the car auction website. We have an extraordinary conversation about all sorts of obscure cars, Chrysler LeBaron convertibles, uh, Excaliburs uh, and other horror shows. So let's get into it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. First of all, Randy, I'm impressed you're wearing Bring a Trailer attire. Oh, I feel this like is I a should one be... of one. This is a one of one item that I made. This is early. You had, you, did you have it? You had it made it. You had, you made it yourself. No, this is I had a, whatever. This is a Dickies jacket with embroidery on it that like, just some some uh, tiny little shop down the street made for us. I think in like 2015. But I'm the only one with one of these, so I love it. It's great. Uh, I'd like to make an all cash offer. Fantastic. Well, let's go. Uh, everything's for sale, Phil. Everything's for sale. <laughs> well, speaking of which, man, we first encountered each other because you hondled me into the ground. You're with your bargaining genius, I love man. Your accent, I was, but honestly, I have no idea what hondled means. What? 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 Hondled, uh, hondling. What the heck is that? <laughs> hondling, hondling is a Yiddish word oh. for negotiating. <laughs> like if you're if you're like a hondler or you hondle. <laughs> Great. Well, guilty as charged. So I was, uh, just to explain to everyone else, I was selling uh, my first um, uh, Lancia Delta Integrale and you came in on the scene, man, and <laughs> you just beat me to a pulp of submission. Off, You were off the top rope with the elbow into the balls, the whole thing, man. I just... I- <laughs> And I still I, didn't you, get it cheap enough, did I? You still probably got a pretty good number. I thought I was really No, man, you got... <laughs> that was being nice? Wow, I thought I was. Man, you're making me out to be some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, deal maker. I'm terrible at man, negotiating. Uh, uh, I feel I'm terrible at negotiating. No, oh, I hate that part I'm, of everything. I just give people their number and I'm just like... Yeah. Just so we don't have to have the awkwardness, but we get on to the next topic. You know what I do that's really stupid is when I'm selling something, I'll I'll just tell people the number I want, <laughs> which is so dumb. Because then you're like, no, you have to start higher because then they're going to say they're going to hondle you down. And then you have to, you know, so you want 10 grand. So you have to say 15 and then you end at 10 if you're lucky. No, man, I don't like any of that stuff. But I liked your car and I still like your car. I still own your car. Here we are. 2023. I still got it. Well, now it's worth millions, man. And think well, of the provenance. Yeah, let's go provenance with your name attached, man. And then <laughs> it uh, drove all over the place with a yeah, BAT sticker on the windshield, but nobody knew what that meant. And then, uh, no, now it's kind of a fixture here. I mean, it was at our, our last office parked right in the center. And now we've got different offices and it made the transition. It's over. It's parked downstairs for me right now. I should go is, and drive it Is today. it still a uh, ran when parked? Is that what, uh, that's what you're saying? That thing's fantastic. I had to put an engine in it. I had to do an engine because <laughs> I popped, I, Wait. I popped the, uh, the timing belt and ran all the valves into the cylinders and everything else. Like we are wont to do on, uh, integrales. It's kind of, uh, par for the course is my understanding. Um, and other than that, <laughs> it is part of the course. Thing, the thing has just kept on motoring. I've driven it in the snow. I've driven it all over the place. Things fantastic. Now, did you upgrade the horsepower on that? Because I tell you, man, from experience, because that was a stock car. 
I I've since the last one I had, I, I've added like another 60 or 70 horsepower and it makes a huge difference. It does until you so, blow up the gearbox. You blow up your gearbox. Well, then yeah. you've got to do the whole thing, yeah, man. Yeah, you've got to yeah. do the gearbox thing. You've got to do all of it. You can't just do one bit. So yeah, it's got a little different turbo on it, a couple of little things. It's not a crazy, you know, boosted, right. over boosted crazy car, but it's, uh, it's fantastic. I love it. I don't want to get rid of it. I'd love to always own one of those. I think they're special. The, they are. I mean, and, and, the, it's funny because every time I I actually sold my last one, which is uh, which which is which is kind of criminal. But every time I drove it, I loved it. And the st- there's something about the steering on a Delta. You Integrale sold the, the next one after you sold the gray one after mine. That one's gone. The gray one is gone. Oh man, you don't. Oh, I didn't know you were moving through them all like this. That one's gone well, too. Well, only so be- what? only because only because I got the Lancia 037. Okay. And then are you, are you texting your wife and saying, I just got to finish up with this 10 minutes with this English guy and I'm, I'm done? Not, no, I'm, fid- I'm <laughs> fidgeting. I'm fidgeting. My phone's over here. I thought for a minute you held that up and I thought it was a Blackberry or no, a pager. No, no. Sorry, it's a coaster. I'm just fidgeting with things on the table here. <laughs> but it's got Laguna Seca on it. It's a, co- it's a drink right. coaster with Laguna Seca on it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my hands where you can see them. <laughs> okay. what, what, Please, what, at all want. times, sir. Yeah. At all yeah. times, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I was, I, was, I was reading about the, you know, the origin story that you've told endless amounts of times about bring a trailer um, that you were. And I feel like everyone who's into cars did what you did, but you were smart enough or you had a friend who was smart enough to say, hey, maybe you should turn this peculiar obsession into something that's real. But the idea of, um, you know, like endlessly, I have, I, I do that. My, my friends are endlessly always looking for cars, but never actually buying them. There's something about the joy of finding the right car, like you're looking for this car, it's the right spec, and you kind of tip top to the edge, but then you don't have to buy it. And not buying it provides a certain joy in and of itself. As long as you're <laughs> not that person that hounds the seller and gets all the data and like oh, no, starts no, doing no, all no, this no. stuff, starts asking questions, yeah. and then says, oh, I don't have any money anyway. I'm not going to yeah, buy yeah. the car anyway. Please, uh, if you could set... Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. They have to, you know, you can't make contact. That is the that is a breach of, of code. You can't make contact with the seller. You can do all the research around the car, like you know, find his posts in the forums, look for pictures, all that stuff. And then I realized there are people. There's another level of, of perversity to people who do that. And I have friends who do this. They will look at uh, uh, want ads and classifieds from the seventies. That's, and then, that's well. That's just painful, right? I mean, you just look. It at is, it. yeah. It's like all the things you missed out on. It's like looking at you know pictures of people you dated when you're in high school and like wondering yeah. what would have happened. It's just don't even do it. It's just torment. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. Why go down that road? Like there must be some. It, it is, but it's ex- it's like a sadomasochist kink. <laughs> like it's the most ex- it's the most exquisite pain. Like look at this GTO for fifteen grand. <laughs> Yeah, those are crazy. But those are, I mean, it's entertaining that that they even put those together in the way they did back then. I was joking with somebody that the listings back then had your phone number and your address. And you basically trusted anybody reading this magazine not to come and break into your garage and take your, you know, Ferrari V12 out of there, which is, it's really funny how they used to write those listings. But at some point, and maybe this is true for you, you say it's true for a lot of other people ads and looking at ads and the, the prospect that the vehicle was for sale at that exact moment became more compelling than car magazine content. And, you know, I mean, you can watch YouTube videos to your heart's content these days, but there's something more interesting about, oh, wow, like this one could be mine the end of That's this right. week the, the, if it wanted it to. It, it makes it more electric and more interesting. That's exactly right. It's the possibility. Mm-hmm. It's the possibility of it becoming more than a fantasy. Mm-hmm. 
And so people hunt, exactly. around, hunt around. I mean, I'm, why am I on Craigslist last night looking at wheels and tires? <laughs> and like stuff I don't, I don't really need it. I mean, I kind of need it, but I don't really need it. But I'm hunting around for that when I ought to be, you know, I don't know, ex- what do you, exercising what, what, what? or doing something useful, you know? <laughs> what are you looking for? Oh, I mean, I'm always just hunt, hunting endlessly. I mean, the fact that BAT has gone bananas has not changed my sort of DNA, which is that I'm always poking around and hunting around for my same search terms, you know, cars of my youth, trucks of my youth. And now I have, uh, you know, six or eight cars uh, in the fleet and they all need parts and they all need upgrades and they all need, oh, what if I found the perfect set of seats for the blah, blah, blah. What if somebody has a set of, uh, you know, what if? yeah. So I, I go hunt around all over the place. And a lot of people we're, do we're, that. We're essentially like a step above truffle pigs. <laughs> Is that good news or bad news? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's good news, man. Mud? Is that what you're saying? Just yeah, you're rooting around. around in the forest for yeah. like, you, you want to unearth a thing. I mean, yeah. um, so what is in there? What are the six to eight cars that you have uh, that are stuffed in the Nonnenberg underground bunker? Yeah, well, I mean, um, thankfully, some of them are here at BAT, and then I have them scattered around in different places. But um, as you know, from BAT's early days and from talking to me, the uh, my tastes are like, you know, a million miles wide. I'm all over the map, just like the website is. And I, I get a lot of joy out of that. Like single mark car shows are kind of my nemesis. I, I get bored very quickly at those. I like to see sure, things like in the racing paddock where it's all the brands battling against one another and everybody does it a little bit differently. And, and you know, seeing a Datsun race against a Porsche is really invigorating. So, um, no, so I've ended up with all sorts of weird stuff. Um, obviously, I have the lunch of Delta that you're talking about, and a couple other things in that genre since they were imp- you have the R5 Turbo, R5 Turbo, which I, which I love. Uh, I've always loved that car. Always I'm surprised you've never had a, a Renault. No, you've I've, tip, I've Renault tipped. Like I've tiptoed up to it on numerous occasions. Um, Yours is yours a series, the series two or the mental interior series one? No, no, I have the mellow interior, but it's an eight two two one car. It's an aluminum roof homologation car. Okay, so it's a it's a right. turbo two, the eighty five, late the later ones. Um, right, but it's a good car. What's that like to uh, What's it like to drive? It's a fun car. It um, it kind of feels like it wants to kill you most of the time, which is good, right? Which is common right. in, in that sort of era. But the it has yeah. a good boost, but the the uh, engine placement and the sound of the turbo. It has very little exhaust sound, but it has a lot of turbo sound. Um, right. And hearing that um, can be uh, intoxicating as you're as you're driving and having fun. But then, sure. if your if your mind ever goes back to the fact that you know the steering column and the windshield and the doors and everything are just off a little Renault Five Econo box, you know, piece of junk. It's kind of scary to get that car going 100 miles an hour or whatever on on right. uh, on that sort of a, a chassis and and uh, basis. But it gives you a lot of respect for people that drive them fast. I've only tried to drive it fast and keep up with my buddies on a couple of long sort of twisty drives, you, and it, it takes your you, life in your a, hand. Are you a good driver? Uh, I'm an average driver. I'm a terrible uh, racetrack driver. I'm not fast because I I uh, I am averse. Well, I'm averse to smashing whatever I'm driving, whether I bar <laughs> whether I barred it or it's my own. I, I think I'm just a miserable racing driver, just because uh, every time I've been on track, people say, you know, you can go a lot faster, and I was like, yeah, but I don't need to go faster. I'm enjoying myself. I'm kind of a I'm kind of cruising, but I like hustling on. Um, windy mountain roads. The things that inspire me driving wise are 
early days rally footage when rally cars were just street cars that people put numbers on and drove kind of fast, like the 50s and 60s rally Monte Carlo type stuff, when the sure. cars were just really substantially similar to a street car that you just, you know, maybe maybe put a set of tires on or pull the hubcaps off sure. and drove fast. So I like to go do that kind of driving, but um, good driver, what about the, I don't think so. You, you know, um, oh, <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am quite possibly the most uncoordinated human being that's ever existed, like the heel and toe thing, you know, like it just, it, I could, I mean, it's just, I'm always out of sync. But going back to the thing you mentioned about uh, videos or f footage from the 50s and 60s rally stuff, this thing for me, I, I've always loved is the Group B rally footage. When you see like the, the, these tiny roads lined with people all kind of reaching out as the cars go by, try and touch it, like some sort of like elaborate mechanical bullfighting situation. I mean, that to me, Go on. Sorry, I just ran. That was the end of my story. No, like it was going to go somewhere, me, and then yeah, it went nowhere. Me hanging right there. You said back <laughs> to me, and I was yeah. And then the I thought you were going to. I, I thought you were going to interject, man, with a with a with a with a gem of wisdom. Well, I think those that footage is is like the mountaintop, right? I mean, nobody should think that they can ever go recreate that, and that all those series were canceled for you know safety reasons and everything else, and it, it was madness. But yeah, you watch the. The, the guy with the Adidas driving boots that's like on all the pedals and it's going a million miles yeah. an hour. I mean, people set that to techno music now and just watch it to be sure. mesmerized. I don't know if it was Walter Rohr or who was doing that, but it's, it, I think it was Walter Rohr. Yeah, it's just totally crazy. And that that stuff is, I, I know my limits and that is way beyond limits of whatever I could do to sort of <laughs> ballet dance with a, a Group B rally car. But driving the street versions of the Group B cars, like the ones I have and the ones you have are, those are fun and you can drive them somewhat fast but i don't i don't what, have uh, fantasies of flying over some crest into a crowd of you know a splitting <laughs> splitting the ocean of people in front of me and being the hero and getting the trophy it's like a it's like a full, it's like a full moses situation yes. like the, you know, the sea parts and you, it's crazy uh, that stuff is crazy and i love it but i think i'm a little closer to reality on that sort of stuff which is you know mountain roads and and a little bit of right. squealing tires but not much what kind of group b cars do you have um, well, these cars that we just mentioned, I mean, I kind of rolled those up into to pre Group B and then Integrale was right after it, I guess. Um, sure. so I don't know if anything qualifies as, I mean, I've never owned an RS 200 or the, you know, the fancy, um, you know, you talk about your 037 and, you know, the, the, the king of the heat for me is the, you know, Rothman's 959 and all those sort of cars are, are wonderful. <laughs> right. But how usable are they on the, you know, those are full on amazing race cars that take a Well, I will actually say, I will actually, they actually don't require any stuff, man. The street versions of those the street cars. street versions are, are okay, I, yeah. Yeah, they, they were, I never had any problems. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I remember being in traffic for like three hours in the 037 in New York, just until it, it, it essentially eventually died on the side of the road because the alternator died. But the car itself was fine. But the yeah, but did you have a uh, Delta S4? You, had, I you had one of those, right? I mean, you open the rear clamshell of that. I mean, I don't have any business anywhere near that, you know, supercharged, <laughs> turbocharged. Were you able to keep that thing running or you got rid of that? Yeah, one yeah it was. No, no, no! It's fine, man. I mean, um, fine. Give I, me a break. Fine. You know, <laughs> no, what? Like I swear, guy. man. I swear. It's like rich guy. Fine, right? It's like it was. My, have I have a staff of yeah, millions yeah. who att attend the car. Yeah, fine. When I step out of the car, man. like fifteen guys come out of the woodwork to like check. I don't know if it no, was no, no, yours or or whose it was or what color yours was, but a guy showed up at a BAT alumni gathering at the Peterson Museum in LA with a with a Delta S four, and it was silver. It was beautiful. I, and it, I know that guy. You you know the car. He pops open the rear of that thing and i just sit there 
you know, wonderfully just shaking my head like this is oh i mean it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing man it's all like it's like all apollo 11 under there yes you know like it's all like rocket single liquid fuel rocket boosters and and i don't know no i swear man i had when i bought the car i bought the car in japan um had it shipped over here and it was just it was like firing like bits of catalytic converter out of the exhaust it was all just not working so it turned out that it had never really run properly in japan because they had when they brought it over there from new they put in some japanese uh like uh, ecu that mm-hmm. was it was, was that was conformed to japanese emissions but then the car never ran properly That's so trouble. i picked up an ec yes yeah, so i picked up an ecu at the local uh, auto zone and uh and it was fine Okay. At the local auto zone. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> Off the shelf, man. Great. It was like 12 bucks. Well, I mean, they, I respect those cars. I highly respect those cars. But I, I kind of know when to draw the line. But I, man, I, that's a fabulous model. It's amazing you got to own that and drive it around a little bit. It was like driving around in Satan's anus. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> it was, should, it was really loud. <laughs> and it would. <laughs> I have no data was point that, for that. I don't know how to respond to that, but that sounds it, interesting. It, 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 well, it, because it was incredibly loud. Uh, it was actually it was actually very linear um, because the you know supercharged turbocharged, so there wasn't the crazy turbo lag of other stuff that you and I have owned. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was pretty easy. I mean, I will say the O three seven is is in a way much more enjoyable to drive. Mm, cool. I've never even and that's, sat in one of those. I've seen a few of them. I've never sat or driven in one of those. So I'll have to come out to you. You should, man. Mm-hmm. You should. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm interested. There was a tipping point for for bring a trailer uh, when you were you kind of were selling regular stuff, and then suddenly you weren't selling regular stuff. You were selling ex- insane shit. And and what do you remember when and what that was? And all of it. I remember so often that you know I would I might be selling a car and. And it would never occur to me at that time to put on bring a trailer because it seemed that it was very specifically for a, a, up to a certain level of car. And then at some point it jumped that it jumped the shark and it became and and now you sell all manner of lunacy. Yeah, I, I love this conversation because there's always been or and certainly was in the early days a what is a bring a trailer car debate. That's right. right? And people would jump yeah. in the comments when we'd list something that was either too fancy or too mainstream or too whatever and say, this isn't a bring a trailer car. And, and like a brawl really? would, would ensue between people saying, <laughs> no, you know, there's like the freedom of speech guy that's like, Randy can put whatever he wants on his website. And then there's the guy that's sure. like, but not this car because I hate this car. Right. And then somebody says, well, this is a rich guy car. You know, this is an everyman site. You can't do that. You know, all this can and can. And I would just oh, sit, interesting. I would just sit back with my arms folded and just like watching, watching all this ensue. And they argue over what's allowed on our own website where we can put anything we want effectively. Right. Well, so it, it's kind of just fun people, but they had such strong opinions about what is a bring a trailer car. And then the, the sales sort of auction model started to evolve and change that and, and created the phenomenon you're talking about, which is like, you know, seven figure cars are there uh, consistently now. But the, but in the early days, it was a little bit more like, oh, that car's, that car's only 15 years old. That's too new for bring a trailer. You can't put that on bring a trailer, right? And there was this, oh, that's this uh, friction. It was interesting. 
That's it's funny because that the way I saw it was not that you couldn't put it on or it was too new or, or whatever it was. It just I felt like there was there was a, the demographic wouldn't support the number that that car would require. Yeah, and I was obviously and I was obviously totally wrong. And now I must say, man, it's really it's such a joy to see like any car I happen to own that, that goes on bringing you like you had an M1 the other day, the same yeah. spec as mine, and I was you know I was watching it eagerly to see what it goes for because like and you know how like anyone who owns a car the moment the car goes for any kind of high price like right that's what mine is worth yeah and people <laughs> jump in i'm adjusting my insurance policy blah 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. right and it's like yeah. okay great go go do that right but i mean one one data point doesn't always you know change the entire market right i remember the first for sure. the first toyota 2000 gt some, somebody paid a million bucks for a toyota 2000 gt right whatever, three, four years ago. And everybody yeah. who had one of those all of a sudden submitted them and wanted to sell them for a million bucks. And we're like, look, folks, that doesn't mean everybody's is worth that because one sold for that at auction. Right. So it, it, it ebbs and it flows. But the upward pressure on what is viable to sell both online overall, like forget bringing trailer, like what can you sell online? Can you sell a million dollar Ferrari online? Um, and the answer to that was no for a long time. There's a lot of skepticism to that for a long time. When we turned on auctions in... 2014, a lot of people just immediately that day were, you know, oh, we don't need another auction. This is never going to work. You guys are just in it for the money, blah, 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 all these sort of narratives of negativity, sure. right? And then we just kept, the internet you know, is so supportive. Yeah, yeah, right. But we had supporters, <laughs> but man, we had plenty of detractors too, but just gen right. gentle pressure for days and weeks and years. And eventually uh, it reached a point where um, you know, people would take a risk, a seller would take a risk and list a 500, 600K car on BAT to see what would happen. It takes a special kind of DNA and ownership to do that. A lot of people aren't willing well, to, it, it, to it, test it, it, it's, you know? I mean, it's true because the, you know, there's, do you remember what that car was, the first car that was like a big car? I mean, we had a 959 that missed reserve. And then we had a 300 SL, not a going, a Roadster, a white Roadster by this longtime BAT member who was like, I'm going to try it, right? And and in our early days, it's almost laughable now, but the Mercedes broke the website, right? It was one of those deals where like it, it got so <laughs> crazy. The site went dark with, you know, 30 seconds left and everybody's panicking on our end and everywhere. So that that one missed reserve. And then uh, Bill Noon uh, out of Symbolic listed a silver 959, uh, which at the time, I think he only wanted, you know, 800K for it or whatever, saying only... <laughs> Because now right. they double, double that or three times that or whatever. Sure. But it missed reserve. It got like right up to it and it missed reserve. And we were like, oh, we're, we're devastated. And now, I mean, if you'd offer anybody a 959 for 800 grand, they'd snap it up, you know? So yeah, uh, things have evolved. But those were two of the early risk takers. It is. It's funny because the, 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 I guess there's the fear on the part of the seller that you, you, you don't want to burn your car. Like you, you put it up there, and and then also you're in a way. I mean, obviously you know this, but the the the, the kind of the weapons grade power of the of the <laughs> the mob is it's kind of like a it's sort of like um the comment section sort of like the angry villagers outside Frankenstein's castle with the flickering torches, but in a good way. I, I mean, I mean that in a good way because what happens is it's reassuring. Like if you want to buy a car, you've got like a million people. You, there's of all the people commenting, there's always like half a dozen of whom their entire lives have focused around look, look this particular car. That's all they think about. That's all they talk about to everyone they know. So when that car comes up for auction, they know everything about it. Mm -hmm. So for me, that provides clearly that provides um, uh, comfort if you're a buyer. Absolutely. That's the, I mean, that's that's what has 
aided in the transparency and the reliability of the marketplace. And that's what people didn't think there could be on the internet, right? And you really have to craft that and encourage that and let people, you know, go over the line a little bit sometimes before you reel them back in, right? You can't just have a muzzle on it. There are there are communities online where people just have a super tight, you know, muzzle on what people are allowed to say and they can't say anything. They can't say anything negative. Because if you say anything negative, you're detrimental, blah, 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 blah. And we've gotten, you know, many opinions on how we should control the conversation or not. And we uh, are involved in the conversation, but you can't, you can't, you know, shut people down completely. Or the next time they have something contributive to say, something either positive or just helpful, they won't say it because you kicked them out because they right. said one negative thing. So there's there's this balance and this dance you do with the entire community, and it's so hard. Well, what's what's lovely is you allow you allow a certain degree of banter. I actually was commenting. You were selling a De Tommaso Guara Barchetta, Barchetta the other day. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I commented on it. Uh, oh no, wait! It was the it was the Pajero I commented on, and, and someone commented my comment. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. which I which I really love, man. I mean, that's really funny. <laughs> Some of them are funny, but as you know, humor humor lands different on different folks, right? Whether it's a text, sure. especially in anonymous text form, if you get a text message your buddy thought was really funny and you didn't like, it could be you know fists the next time you see them. So it's like it's sure. it's tricky to balance that. And but you, I think there are many comments that are just sort of harmless right and obviously we have to have some guardrails if you you know somebody says hey i know mr toledano and here's here's his here's his social security <laughs> number and what i think of him right. and blah, blah, blah. i mean some yeah. stuff just can't cannot be allowed and so a free-for-all sure. is not is not the goal either so that's that's what i mean that there's this balance and we worked hard over the years to try to make it just a place where people who know their stuff want to share it and point it out and and that is different than a lot of other marketplaces right but it's it's worked for us it's well look it's the it's the it's the one thing that makes you really amazing i think it's it's well actually there's a there's a couple of interesting things one of the other things i find from a psychology point of view that's really interesting is that thing when the you know do you know what i'm going to say i don't but there's many uh, so what do you got what's your favorite uh, what do you got kid yeah. uh, the um when the auction gets down to a certain amount of time and then someone bids it flips back like is it two minutes or something and what and does your blood res- pressure do what does your blood pressure do when yeah. it does that? <laughs> right. well i mean i can oh, i i'm not bidding on a car but i can only imagine man <laughs> if i was bidding on a car i would be like you know popping whatever like blood pressure pills and then also <laughs> i mean it's it's kind of genius though the way that works it i feel did someone how did that idea happen is there do you have like a team of crack psychologists coming and going, now look here randy well, that, that idea that idea was elsewhere on the internet. We don't claim to have invented okay. it. It wasn't really used on car auctions, right? All people could really equate online car auctions to is eBay, who still to this day right. does doesn't extend the time. It's like a it's like a rifle shot at the end, and you either get in or you don't. Um, and the um, we wanted to more closely replicate an actual like if you're in the tent at a at a whatever, at a gooding auction, and somebody puts in a bid, sure. like it keeps going, right? And it's that psychology of it. It's like baseball, right? It could technically go on forever. There's no clock, right? But eventually people come to their senses and things end, <laughs> things, right. things resolve, right. or, or somebody relents and it, it ends. Right. So it's, um, but it's that sort of replication of the, there are some good things about physical auctions that we really like. And the psychology is actually positive on it and how it works. And so we wanted to replicate that. So that's where 
um, that idea came for adding that component to BAT. But it, I think it existed in some, I mean, there's, there's crazy auctions across the internet of coins and collectibles and estate sales and like weird stuff that people were trying to innovate around online um, even before 2014. So we don't, we don't claim to have invented that uh, particular component, but we thought it was a good one to add. What other kind of neat little psychological tricks can you reveal a part of BAT? Yeah, or you can't I, they're, they're kind of tricks or they're, they're kind of just, I mean, auction is just really, we knew for a long time that auction is the best way to sell an individual special rare thing just because I hate, you know, to your point about earlier about pricing and negotiation, like I, I would rather bid something up than go in at a number and, <clears throat> excuse me, come in at a lower number and, whittle somebody down or get whittled down myself or like that whole going downward till you hit the price dynamic always bothered me. And the, the start at $1 and go till it stops is, is so much sort of purer in its psychology. So, so auction we always knew was, was, um, was a great way to be able to get to the right price because before we did BAT auctions, we did what we called, um, BAT exclusive listings, which is like a classified listing. And you, you could list I your remember that. in a growly for, you know, 58 grand or, or best offer. And then like a, a hundred people email you and they'll, you'll have this like crazy kind of an auction you're running on your own, which is, which is <laughs> right. one other way to do it. But man, we, we would argue with the sellers about what price they could put. And then it would either be feast or famine. And it was so inefficient. It just, it was like, we can't wait till we can have an auction functionality. So it took us some years to build it and do it. But those, we kind of look back and laugh at those, at those rudimentary years now where people just argued amongst themselves about, about what the price should be. It's like, instead of all this arguing, why don't you just bid on it? and uh, Let the know. market speak. Yes, correct. The curating, the curating thing must be interesting. I'm, when are you going to have an Excalibur up there? That's what I want to know. Oh my goodness! I think we have. I don't know if you saw at the end of you, the. You have an. You have one. <laughs> I, not right now, but but at, at uh, I'll have to pull it up here. The um at the end of the year we do voting for the best listing of the year, and we do voting for the best photo gallery of the year, and yeah. um in doing that. The one of the cars I think was an Excalibur. I think it was in. I think it was in the running. And I detest those. I don't like those at all. I don't want to ride in one. I don't want to own one. I don't need one. Randy, you know, do, come do, now, do sir. Another, have I offended I've you? Got, I've got. I've got. I've got twelve. I'm. I'm oh, the foremost gosh. Excalibur collector of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here uh, goes. Here they, goes. They are. They are. They. They are utterly fascinating. I'm just. I'm just intrigued by the idea of how they came to. And the, wasn't it Zimmer or Zimmerman or something? There was like a whole bunch of different companies that were making Zimmer, Quicksilver. Over, you know these yeah. all these weird all these weird cars. Hold on, I'm going to search you see, this. You right seem now. to know an awful lot about them. Randy. Well, they come you in should. the door, and we need to know what to tell those people and know how to talk <laughs> to those people. And it's so, not always straightforward. How does that curation work then? Um, I mean, the, are there you know are there, do people in the office sit around and go and vote on it, or are there, are there are there are there specific cars like, for instance, you will never allow like a. Chrysler, <laughs> uh, Chrysler LeBaron convertible from with the woody panels. Yeah, Would that em. never? We've had them. We've had them. <laughs> the uh, the crazy part, yeah. Again, back to the like, like what is to bring a trailer car, right? It kind of gets to the core of that, and some of that. No, was no. Individual. I would say what is not. And what is not a bring? Absolutely. But now, where I was going with that is, it used to be me at the beginning. You know, you know, uh, one man show, and then we added Howard Swig. Have you ever met Howard? I think maybe you've interacted with him. But anyway, maybe. he's he's on the team here, and he leads that. And now it's three or four folks that do uh, curation exclusively. I mean, we get so many cars coming in, right? I mean, when you're doing 
a hundred auctions a day and we're getting whatever, 300 a day. And you got to go through all these and, and have a point of view. And sometimes it's a judgment call. Sometimes it's a piece of cake. You know, a fill car rolls in the door and, and in a growling. Forget it. Yes. It's like a rubber stamp. Yes. VIP. But at the, uh, or an M1, like you're talking about, I mean, really special stuff. It's like, let's figure out a way uh, as long as their reserve isn't totally crazy. And, and the curation is tricky because it's multifaceted. There's the car, there's the price. And then there's the seller because we're kind of selling the seller as well, right? Like if, if the car is great and the reserve is great, but this person is a liar or is terrible or has a bad reputation or is going to abuse whoever buys it by, you know, being just a miserable but, person to deal with. We reject but cars how do based you, on that, which is, which is, but a shame, how do you but know? Um, how do you know I mean, if someone's miserable? Man, some people are out of the gates and you know in half a second, oh, right? Even over email. Right. Some people we've dealt with before and we need to, you know, work with them going back and forth. And so we have an interaction. I mean, a, a human fields every vehicle that comes into BAT and has a dialogue back and forth with the seller. So a, a lot is revealed in that. Like a, there's no computer algorithm to say whether, you know, this person's terrible or not. We just have to interact right. with them. And and uh, thankfully our, our judgment works most of the time, right? We're not perfect, but we we uh, vet for that sort of stuff. But yeah, then it comes to quality of the car and are there any cars we won't absolutely won't take or um, what kind of Aztec. things are we looking for? Uh, I think there's an Aztec on the site right now. You say that. <laughs> I mean, what's so funny, right? Uh, this I mean, is genius. This I actually kind of, I, I kind of love it, man. I kind of love it. <laughs> do you should it's have, really why funny. don't you have like a, you should have like a guest, I would, can I come on a guest curate? Like, <laughs> well, you know, if I'm, here's what, it, you know what? We should do guest curations. I'm giving you these are million dollar ideas, Randy. These I mean, are I will huge happily, ideas. Maybe we can be a success with some of these ideas. We'll see what we can this do. Guy, this, this, my ideas, and this podcast could finally give you your lucky break. That's man. what we're looking for. And, make, and, and bring BAT, <laughs> make BAT into. <laughs> you know, okay, his century. We need it. We yeah, need man. I you, like the ideas. But you need, you need some visibility. <laughs> I'm just trying to help out a small struggling company, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> From the gent, the largesse of my own heart. You know what I would do? I would I would do a I would do an Isuzu Veycross. Okay, we've had I one would of those. Do, by the way, yellow. I would do I would I would do a Volvo two six two Berton with the with you the chop looking roof. The yeah, with the, the chop roof. Yeah, we've yeah. Had what those. else I do? Um, what else I do? I I might do a Subaru SVX. Is that the one with the, the little window? The window within the window. It had a, a flat six in it, yeah. I think. And they were those were yeah, very, yeah. very weird. They all came with automatic in the US, but we've featured ones that are manual swapped, which is kind of a hot setup. Um, See, that's what yeah. I would love. There you, you go. You know what car I really? You know what car? If you can, you just if you one comes across the door, can you just kind of like slide it my way instead of putting up on? The <laughs> I know you can't really say yes. I want a, a mid a nineties, like a ninety five Volvo T five R wagon in yellow. You want the yellow Stick. color? Okay, cool. No, yeah. we, we've had some of those. A lot more sedans, but the wagon is the special one, I think. Um, and, yeah. and most, it's really hard to find those with super low miles. Do you know how some of these cars come out of the woodwork? An NSX will come out of the woodwork, or a Integra Type R will come out of the work with really low miles, all Integrales no, have then, low miles because just nobody yeah. drove them that much. But cars like a Volvo like that, typically they have yeah. huge miles on them and they have you know, yeah. 130,000 and you're like, man, if we could just find a yellow T5R wagon with 10,000 miles somewhere, I'm kind of convinced would, it doesn't exist, but I'd love it if it did because it would go crazy on BAT. That would be like, a, I feel like that would be a hundred grand. Absolutely. Car. I think it absolutely would. And, and people will shake their heads at that, but I, I think 
I mean, it's, it's, we've gone years now, right? And so before I used to just say like cars are hard to find, but now I can genuinely say like, we haven't featured one of those in eight years of looking for one of those and we would do it. And so the best one we found is permanent and it's on the website. And I think it had 90 or a hundred thousand miles on it. But if you could find one that was like an in the wrapper T5R stick, you know, original, not smashed, not repainted yellow wagon. I think it'd bring a whole bunch of money, but, but yeah. Volvo, the Volvo market's weird though, man. I don't know if you follow that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't follow it. Why, why, why is it? It's weird? just, a, I don't know. It's, it's like an enthusiast brand, but it's not an enthusiast brand. Right. And it's, uh, the early ones like, you know, 123 GTs and some special Volvos like that are interesting and can bring some money. But in general, Volvos just hover around a low price most of the time. Um, and it really takes some sort of special ones to, to, uh, you know, bring out a, a pocketbook or a collector or somebody who's really nuts for a certain model. So I, I want a Tom Walkinshaw, you know, white and blue BTCC <laughs> wagon, right? I mean, those cars are spectacular. Right. I don't even know where the real ones are, if they still exist anymore, but that, that there's like these rare sort of nuggets within Volvo where you can find really special ones. And would people pay up for those? I think they would to some degree, but, but most of them just hover around a sort of fun, attainable, indestructible sort of a, a fun event car. What's your, uh, what's your guilty pleasure car that, you'd see, that you feel slightly embarrassed telling people, people that you'd like to have? Oh, man. Do you have you one? Know, yeah. Or is it a long know, list? No, I mean, it is a long list. I don't know. Some, I mean, some people... Uh, oh man, embarrassing. It's ones. a LeBaron. Is it LeBaron convertible? No, I mean, but I'm, <laughs> like I told you, I'm all over the place. So uh, what, what most often happens is it's not embarrassing, but I'll tell people something that I like and they'll just have sort of a blank stare, right? Like I tell like Porsche people, they're like, Hey, what'd you buy lately, Randy? And I was like, well, I bought a 72 GMC four by four. And they're like, what? Like, why would you? Yeah, buy but those one are, those? but th right? th those are kind of, those are kind of beautifully rectangular and like, Man, and they're also know, small. Like they're also, they're, 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 so, they're small, right? Those cars. Well, no, mine's a Sierra Grande. Mine's a like huge pickup truck that's like as big oh, as a okay. house, right? So right. that is unbelievable and I love it, right? right. But I'm, I get as excited about that as I do about a whatever, a McLaren or some special sports car. So uh, it's funny. I don't have any that I'm too embarrassed by, but I do feel like different audiences, the, the variety that I'm excited about isn't everybody's variety, right? So right. Um, right. so to show up at a certain event and, and it's like, what's Randy bringing? It's like, oh, weird. He brought like a... 87 BMW 535 IS, right? Which I think is a <laughs> spectacular car. But like guys showing up in $100,000 cars are like, that's like a piece of junk. Like, why, why are you showing up in that? And I'm like, I love it. I can go on for days and days and days about how the design is important and it's beautiful and it drives well and rear wheel drive and blah, blah, blah. And then you tell that to a, you know, my neighbor who drives in modern, like, uh, you know, RS Audi, you know, and he's right. like, why are you, dude, you're, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> are you driving an old piece of junk right and i was like oh it's not it's fabulous <laughs> i'm actually the same way man there's almost i i'm actually kind of bored i, I i'm not that interested in seeing like a ferrari you know 250 short wheelbase i don't care that much what i but because i've you know i feel like i've seen so much stuff that i get really excited by the weird shit mm -hmm. uh oh here's one here's one so i went out <laughs> okay. and bought a 
blind on eBay, bought a 92 GTI 16 valve Volkswagen, right? Oh, there's a great. I, well, I actually love it, right? But I mean, I, whatever. I bought it for 9,200 bucks or whatever, right? And and I'm super excited right. about it. And I've put a little bit into it and it's cleaned up. And it's it's special to me because they're all gone and you never see them in nice shape. We've only listed yeah. maybe three or four really good ones on BAT over all the years because they're not around. So uh, is that an embarrassing car? I mean, if I... But like my wife doesn't want to go to dinner in a, in a GTI from 92, <laughs> right? And like my buddies, like I pull up in that car and they're kind of like, okay, that's Randy's weird, like quirky project. I guess he's. I love that though, car, right? man. My, but man, I my love it. I love it. The, I, I love those. My first car was a Mark One GTI because I couldn't afford to buy, like this was in, I bought it, in, it was an 84. I bought it in like uh, 90. Because I, my, but my friend, my friend, you know, was, he was a count. He was an Austrian count. Wow. He was, he, yeah. He had a, he had the sixteen valve, and uh, and 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 I drove. I was like, and it just completely depressed me. But that was, I love those cars. You know what else I love is the Corrado. That sort of stuff. So great. I love all of those, right? And we, a lot of us Amazing. our age sort of have stories about people who had those back in the day and, and the marketing for yeah. those and and the way they were put together, right? And anyway, I just. Is that embarrassing? No, it's not embarrassing. Is it expected? Not to most people. You know, most people are like, oh, you're into cars. You must like Porsches and you must like, uh, you know, Ferraris and fancy stuff. And I'm kind of like, well, this, that, this- the, the best buy for me in the last couple of years was nabbing that GTI because there hasn't been another good one since, in my opinion. You know, it's white. It's got the original BBSs on it. The interior is nice. Like you just never find them. And, and you ask me what I'm searching for at night. I'm just searching for this sort of weird esoteric stuff. And when I see it, I'll know, you know, it must be actually very interesting, man, because uh, from being at BAT, you must have this unique kind of aerial view of things that should be commonplace but aren't. Uh, there's the New York bird song. I was going to say, is that my side or your side? That sounds like New York. Uh, That's your ride. That, things that should be common but aren't. Um, yeah, like I mean, like you like the like the six like the sixteen valve like that should be a car. There should be a shitload of those cars, right? But right. They kind of weirdly there aren't. There so aren't. You can, they, they, fell, some, they faded away, or people modified them, or they, they they were fun, right? And so fun cars back then were. A lot of these were fairly cheap, and so they got manhandled or they got crashed, right? I mean, you can probably list off. I can list off. You know, it takes more than one hand to. to to list the number of friends that crashed five liter Mustangs in high school, right? They just all got crashed <laughs> and painted and repainted and salvaged and everything else. So, I mean, they, they were great and there's a lot of nostalgia around them, but the, a lot of the good ones are gone. So then when a good one appears on BAT and is, you know, strategically placed in front of a bunch of bidders at the right time, it tends to go a little bit crazy. And, and then people say, wow, is somebody really going to pay that for a, you know, a car that had 125 uh, horsepower, a GTI from the factory, and people do. People go crazy for it. Yeah, well, yeah, but the reason for that is because that's a mainline directly to nostalgia. The person who buys that car is the person who had one of those cars in college and they loved it and they never saw it again and they missed that. I mean, that, that and, and when you're mainlining nostalgia, you will pay stupid amounts of cash. I agree. I agree. So we, I mean, we see it, we see it all the time on BAT and sometimes it's a, right. it's a healthy thing and sometimes it may not be, but I think that in general, I mean, I'm, when I sit in those cars, I mean, I don't know how you put a price on those sort of feelings, right? I mean, it's like my sister said GTIs and I never got to drive it. And now I got one, I get to drive it and nobody can tell me what to do or where to drive it or when to go. And it's like, <laughs> now I make the rules, you know, and, and that cost me 9,000 bucks to do that. I was like, I'd take that deal all day. You know, I mean, it's a great, sure. it's a great item. 
<laughs> when you said you strategically place, what what's a what does strategically placing a car mean for BAT? Like, is there a is there a particular are there are there times of the day and and particular days where for some reason people are more rabid about things than other times, or it doesn't really matter? Um, it, there's there's multiple ways to answer that question. So there's kind of layers to it, and the the cool part is that. A lot of people think that just like, oh, you just pop your car on BAT, right? You just put it in the system and the computer churns out a listing and it's live that afternoon or whatever. And we put a lot of thought, our team, this, the, it, it used to be the curation team and now it's a whole separate team that does just this sort of scheduling and organization of, because at this sort of number, I mean, man, we, we look back, it was so easy to do, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 of these a week, but you try to do 800 of them a week and it, you got to put right. some thought into it. So we don't want to have, you list your super special car and then the exact same spec exact same car you know 10 miles from you gets listed at the exact same time that's sort of not great for the stellar and buyer experience so we there's overlap dynamics that we think about there's some seasonality right like not as much as you would think a lot of people think like winter is a bad time to sell a car like we had amazing results the two weeks before christmas just this last holiday we had like banner results happening. So it's not, people are doing their Christmas shopping and sure they're busy, but people like you and me will make time when the right car is up on the right. People will orient their schedule around making sure they make some bids. So there is always time to spend 80 grand on the car yes, you don't need. You have time. You can make time to make that happen, you can, right? You that's that's right. To the, uh, to the whatever room in your house, no one's going to bother you. And you, you know, you're going you to the those, bathroom, man. Little deals. Yeah. All the tricks. You're a fat, you're, you know, you're a family dinner. You nip into the toilet. I'm, I, it's urgent. <laughs> I have IBS. You have to lay the groundwork with an IBS story. So then you can go in there repeatedly. Uh, uh, bitter syndrome by BS, right? Bitter syndrome. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, right. it's, uh, it's pretty funny, but, but we do some sort of quirky seasonality, right? Like, like boats don't sell super great in the winter and snow machines don't so don't sell particularly well in the summer, right? Like weird stuff like that. But honestly, it's, it's kind of surprising to a lot of people, but a Ferrari 308 GTS, the market is as strong for that on December 22nd as it is on June 22nd. And you may not think that it is, but the data and the uh, sales results show that the seasonality around buying, you know, special cars and that that sort of stuff uh, is not really different. But that, that makes perfect sense to me, man. I mean, if you think about it, like if you're looking for a 308 in a particular, you know, you will buy the one, the right one, the moment you see it. It doesn't matter what, when it is. As, as the data, I'm so interested in the, has the data revealed anything surprising? What's the, can you think of like the most surprising thing that the, you must have reams of data about all this stuff. Is there anything really un, that you did unexpected? I mean, the results obviously have been unexpected. How many people rally around particular cars and models, right? And that, I mean, the most, uh, the most viewed listings on BAT, like you, you get a kick out of this, right? You talked about unusual stuff, like how, how short wheelbases are boring now. And like the most li- uh, eyeballs on any listing of all time, the one that totally like, blew the website apart in terms of how much visibility is like for a restored travel trailer uh, that you would tow <laughs> like from the 50s that was all redone and sold for $600,000 or something crazy. But it's, I mean, you think like, oh, it must be a Ferrari Enzo or something very predictable, right? right? But it's not at all. It's like the, un- and then I think the second or the third is a military tank 
got the most views, really? right? Yeah. You, so it's and you can you search. Know, is, you can search on BAT. It's all very transparent. You can dig around if you're a data geek because you can sort by most popular, and that is eyeball count. And the top list of top five things you'd think it would be, you know, whatever Carrera GT followed by a, you know, I don't know Porsche Speedster followed by a Shelby Mustang or whatever, and it's. It's quite the opposite. It's like bizarro, weird stuff where the discussion gets going and some interesting figure or expert drops in some information and then everybody dialogues about it and those get to hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on them. And it's it's uh, it's unusual. I was talking to um, this guy called Johnny Smith for an earlier podcast. Uh, He runs, he's a very successful YouTuber in England. He has a show called The Late Break Show. And his most successful video on YouTube is his restoration of a British Leyland car from the 1970s called an Austin Allegro, which everyone hated and now kind of people love. Mm -hmm. But it's so, it's interesting to me the way that you, as you say, you would expect it to be an Enzo, but then it's all the peculiar stuff that people really seem to love. And I wonder what that is. Is it because you can have, you can, there's more discussion around it? Is it because it's not so daunting because it's just like some random English car from the seventies or, or a trailer, you know, from the fifties? Is it, is it the, what is it about? It's this? well, some of, some of that. And I think it touches in that video you're talking about. First of all, he's probably the only person on the internet that has content around that topic. Right. So if, if you search, you know, show me a show me a Ferrari F40 video on on uh, uh, YouTube, you'll get 7000 results. But if you say I need an Austin Allegro restoration, <laughs> you'll get like two videos. Right. right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. that dude's video. So he kind of cracked sure. the code a little bit in that. But right. I'd also say it's it's uh, it's relatable. Like everybody has a story. This is something that came out of BAT in the early days. They really liked that my sort of taste and the, the kind of curation that I was doing at that time, even though the cars weren't ours and we weren't selling them, it was just curation of stories of listings that were out there in the, in the universe. It was, it was not a, you know, it didn't have a bias towards rich guy stuff that people could never have touched. Right. Like I've never driven a Testarossa. I don't even know what that would feel like. It'd be pretty crazy, but you know, I've driven all kinds of Datsuns and Toyotas and, uh, Fords and and you know Camaros and all this sort of stuff. So when you talk about that sort of stuff, people are like, "Oh yeah, my neighbor had one of those," or my you know my creepy you know uncle had one of those, or like the, the, right. you know my school teacher drove a Honda just like that, right? And there's this this electricity of of that memory, and it's not nostalgia because you're not even longing for your teacher's Honda, but you right. associate that person in the school parking lot and the time you banged into it with your bike and blah blah blah, you know, like stuff like that, sure. which which creates a connection. And I think that people appreciated, like when I the, the example I always use is a Datsun five ten, which is a funny you know little it's inexpensive little sedan that people turned into race cars and stuff. But a lot of people actually just drove them around back in the seventies and eighties. Weirdly, <laughs> they were all over the place. And, and sure. so people you'd feature that and I'd feed, I'd be like, Oh wow, look at this really good Datsun 510 for sale in Sacramento for, you know, $12,000. And people would say, you know, my, my aunt had one of those and my neighbor had one of those. And I mean, the connection with a car like that, I actually think is really cool. And that's what, a lot of the vibrancy around the discussion came from. It wasn't a bunch of, uh, you know, mechanics and experts at the beginning. It was more just people that related and associated with these sorts of cars. And then that climbed up the ladder, right? We started talking about Integrales. Like I never touched one until yours showed up and drove off the truck and now I own it. 
But before that, it was always, you know, videos on speed vision of those things at the WRC and, right. and different stuff like that. So the different ways that there are so many models of cars that are highly relatable to people, even if they're not aspirational, they're relatable. And yeah. that would, that's still to this day, you ask about, you know, crummy LeBarons and CRXs and stuff on BAT. And it's important. I actually love CRXs. It's important that that stuff is on BAT because it's like those were every man cars. Uh, but they now everybody relates to them or, or f- likes that. See, you say you like CRXs. Um, some people probably didn't know that. I think that's cool. And, and when people like a variety of things, like it, it makes for a vibrant discussion. Well, it's funny. The, it's kind of, I mean, the curation aspect of BAT is sort of like a, it's like a symphony and you need all these different notes to make this beautiful God, this is going to end. I, it was just, it was a, the metaphor was good at the beginning, and then it's just gonna, it's going to end in the shit pile now to make this beautiful music, Randy. But you, you kind of do because you, you like you. I mean, and it would be amazing if you found like a, you know, twelve thousand mile LeBaron convertible from ninety two with wood sides. I mean, that would that would go off the charts because I think in a way, uh, New York Bird song again. Um, the relatable part, it, the that and the way it connects to stories that you remember is the most important part of any car ownership i I, 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 I totally agree with that the funny part about this symphony reference though is you wouldn't want to go to a symphony that had some of the notes were playing in it right like (laughs) like sometimes it's just like a disaster it's like a oh man it's like a project that's never going to come out there's actually a 911 right now that's like basically the rusted shell hulk of a 69 911e or whatever it is on bring trailer right now and people are like you have got to be out of your mind to go for this right so that's kind of the the uh so let me ask you this why do you that's the violin playing in the second chair with the broken (laughs) strings and you're like i don't know i may want my ticket money back for this symphony the bt symphony is sometimes a little off key but uh but it is interesting it will always be interesting well look that's that imperfection is what makes it so great i mean you go to any other when you i mean and in a way i think that it's the it make the bat is so human right and i think that is why it's so successful because when you look at the when you look at real world auctions they are all kind of shiny and perfect they have these beautiful glossy brochures and you know and there's all this kind of and what i find interesting i find this fascinating about um about the vernacular of on of real world auction catalogs believed to be real or them real mileage you know they have all these there's these kind of vague kind of suburban phrases they're like when by suburban i mean they're kind of in the neighborhood they they they're adjacent to the truth <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, very then, adjacent. And, like very, yeah. very adjacent. Uh, it gets a little, it gets a little tricky. Yeah. You got to watch out what you're saying on the Haggerty Podcast Network here, buddy. They bought into auctions <laughs> and it's a slippery well, slope. But I, I, know. I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of people say, you know, uh, some of that is just understood to be part of that business. But we, uh, we wanted to do it differently. I mean, you look at our descriptions are very dry. We don't say, you know, this will be an amazing one to add to your collection for ages to come, you know, like but that the, sort of stuff. It's just, a surefire investment. Yeah. Well, no, but the point is that you have the angry, you have the angry villagers who will, yeah. who will, will, will say, you know, will, you, now you, we you would be able to get that a, stuff before we yeah. maybe could have, but now if we, yeah. if we changed yeah. our tune and said that stuff, people would be like, what have you done with Randy? You must have stuffed him in the closet somewhere because he he would never let you say that sort of stuff. And what's going well, on? Precisely. A lot of yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You won't be allowed. You won't be allowed um, 
to, 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 to say that kind of stuff. There is kind of, I mean, I've considered, there's a, you know, I'm considering there's a couple of cars I'm considering releasing from the, from the nest. But then there's, this, there's this, always this terror. I had a guy on, a, on the podcast a, a couple of months ago who's like a world-famous watch collector. And I was wearing this very particular watch. And, and he was like, and he's this Italian chap. He's like, Lame, what is that? Uh, and he says, that's a Patek Beta 21. He has this most amazing voice. And all of a sudden I thought, oh shit, if anyone's going to know if there's something wrong with it, he will know. <laughs> and he's like, he said, let me see it. <laughs> and then for a minute I handed over, I was like, oh no, he's going to see like something that I would never know that was wrong with it. So there is that kind of fear that you post your car out and so it goes, oh, hang on a minute, that bolt in the, upright, in the top right hand corner of the engine, that's not factory. Yeah, but, that, but, but that's but also that's what makes you successful. Yeah, and that, yeah. honestly it's what makes for happy customers, right? Like part of the problem of when sure. cars get overfluffed is does the guy that buys it, is it, are they actually happy with it? Or are they, or did they just get snookered into buying it based on, based on some dream they were sold, right? So what, what we like to do is I would rather have flaws be pointed out or be visible and for then sure. the person knows what they're getting. So it, tend, it tends to go better in my experience. So that's, that's no, sort of right. our philosophy. That doesn't need to be anybody else's philosophy, but that's sort of our philosophy. Well, I think that's I think that's the the, the best way to do business because then you circumvent a whole lot of enraged and disappointed people at the end part of the process by by being so by having the angry villagers up front to point out all the flaws. I mean, you kind of want that. Sometimes they're happy villagers, man. You keep calling. No, I know they are. They, they, I know. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's probably like a sixty forty split, right? You got the guys with the yeah. you know ready to give you a beer, and then you got the guys with the with the uh, pitchforks. So and it's you gotta, right. You gotta, no, you gotta, no, you're right. That balance. You're, no, you're right, man. I mean, I, 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 by angry, I mean happy, man. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant. That was the English word for happy. <laughs> <laughs> I have this weird secret idea. I feel like it's actually more of an art piece than it is a car thing. But I kind of want to amass like a collection of Fiero-based Ferrari replicas. <laughs> Okay, and then I want to, then I want to drive to like Amelia Island and be totally outraged when I'm not allowed in the Cavalino section. I love it, but this I, is the best Bastardo, you know, DNA. This is the broken. That's bottle. right. This is the broken that's, bottle that you're, you're going to be wielding as you show up. I, I, I support, I support that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've done brainstorms with buddies over beers of like, yeah, it's it's Monterey week, but like, let's do something counter to that, and you know, start in right. Monterey and depart on the Wednesday and like go elsewhere and do, you know, go out into the <laughs> desert and, you know, jump around in, in, uh, in mud puddles in cars or whatever, you know, to kind of do the, the polar opposite. But I, uh, right. at the same time, I don't know, there's, there's a different, there's a different type of event for everybody, you know? One of the other things that I kind of regret is, um, for a long time, I sort of had this idea of, of making a collection of like, um, tuna cars from, you know, all the kind of Koenig, was it Koenig? Um, they would do the Ferraris, they would do Porsches, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, and those things, those things have gone crazy, haven't they? Some of them. I mean, some of them are just so bizarre, you know, that like a Gimbala Mercedes. Oh, the Sbarro. Like Sbarro cars. Um, you know, there were there were some great tuners that came and went. And I mean, I'd love to have like a look at the books of those businesses from back in the 80s and how much <laughs> how much of the money was legitimate and how much was not. Somebody should, you know, write right. a book on all of those and where they started, where they went and like, you know, where the owners ended up or whatever. I have no idea. But some of those were pretty mind bending in terms of their design and, and what they decided to do. And then there were some that were kind of mellower, right? I mean, the ones that got absorbed into manufacturers, the AMGs and the Alpinas of the world sure. that that were just doing great stuff, but were a little more conservative and, and it 
led to a longer, uh, probably more positive outcome for them. But the extreme <laughs> you, you don't, ones, you don't think Porsche. You don't think Porsche wanted to buy Strosek out? I don't think Strosek had a long <laughs> uh, a, a business plan that was appealing. So, but it, in the moment when when the wilder was the better in you know Miami or wherever people were you know assembling those cars and selling them, they uh, right. people would throw money at them, and they obviously had their time. Do you think that was the epicenter of those cars was Miami? I wonder where the most amount of those tuna cars ended up. I feel like it would have been Miami. Miami was a stronghold. Uh, I don't really understand the whole sort of London supercar scene and stuff. You can talk about that. But some of them in car magazines back in the day, they were chasing like high speed uh, numbers, right? Like that's what that's what introduced me to Roof and some of the other guys where they were trying to get on the cover at 211 miles an hour sure. or whatever. And so that, you know, Callaway, some of these more horsepower driven right. tuners. Uh, but the, are you a are you a horsepower geezer? I'm not really a horsepower geezer. I don't really care. Again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, setting lap times and doing crazy different stuff like that. But I, I wouldn't, I like driving a, you know, a 400 a horsepower small block more than a 300 horsepower small block. I mean, I think it's cool, but I, I don't need a thousand horsepower in some some car or, or right. these electric numbers. You know, all these tests they're doing of drag races between the fastest electric cars. I, I don't really care. Sure. But uh, I'm more into the sort of total overall driving experience. Horsepower is a part of that, but it's not all of it. Are you against, what do you feel about electric stuff? I think electric is cool. I'm glad that it exists. I'm not so certain that it's going to, you know, save the world. All these narratives that are coming out now about how you're just kind of, you know, you're not blowing soot into the air in your neighborhood. You're, you know, there's a mine in South America that is supporting sure. your, uh, your feel good, uh, attitude about your electric car in America. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tricky and a nuanced, uh, problem that it's trying to solve, but you can't dispute that it's very cool to have a car that's not idling at a stoplight and to have a car that, you know, has instant top horsepower at zero RPM. Right. And, and some of the dynamics around electric, the fact that a Ford F-150 can power your house in a power outage. I mean, like there are, there are very cool aspects. So I'm in support of the, of the sort of engineering challenge that they present and, and what they're doing, but I don't think they're going to save the world. And I think, I think that car people, for a while are going to have some sort of balance between gas cars and electric cars before it goes all electric. I was wondering about that. Like I, I feel like um, the world operates a little bit quicker than we think it does sometimes. So I wonder if there's going to be a point where suddenly the, the government or the world is going to say at large, you know what, that's it. No more gas power cars. But then what are we going to do with all our, <laughs> with our Lancia Deltas and our Ford, you know, Chrysler, the Barons and all that stuff. I mean, I will say that I, I really enjoy driving electric cars, but I just, I wish that there was one that was aesthetically like amazing to look at. I actually think the Rimac's not that great to look at. Yeah. I mean, many of them are not that great to look at for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. If people think that's just modernism or, or like, things that need to look like they're electric when you see them sitting still, you know, I mean, different sorts of, but they don't look enough. They, they don't look enough like electric. Like I feel like, yeah, but honestly, with electric man, cars is I'm in the, I'm in the Bay area and there's way too many Teslas here, but a Tesla model S sedan still looks better than a lot of other hokey sedans totally that are out there. It's, it's boring now, but it's, right. I don't know, it's kind of Italianate and it's got okay taillights and it's like, it's not I, that, bad right so no i think i think i think, think a, I, I, I totally agree man i think the model s is a really really handsome beautifully designed car it's really nice it's really well balanced it's there's not really any bad lines on that car and as you say it's much more interesting than almost anything that well a lot i 
I'm just trying to think of anything else I've seen. Yeah, but the new, I mean, the new Mercedes electric cars are dopey looking, right? I mean, they're just, right. they're just you look at them and you're like, that's not what I want, right? <laughs> and so you, right. you, you veer back and you're like, well, the, the Model S is like a 7 out of 10, so I guess I'll choose that, right? So it's, it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a funny world and I don't know, this is just sort of more personal opinion than anything else when you get into design, but I, I, I just veer into trucks. I'm just like, just give me an F-150 Lightning or a Rivian and I'll call it good. I don't need all these other the Rivi- failed I, attempts. I think the Rivian, I think, is really beautiful. The, the Rivian truck is super cool. I think the Rivian SUV, I, I have no interest in, but the truck, I think, I love the front. The front end of it is amazing looking. Interesting. Um, the front I actually is the would controversial like this- part. That's interesting you say the front. The well, front is the controversial well, because- part. Yeah, because it's the most interesting part because they've said they've kind of designed it like you would um they said they've branded it, mm-hmm. right? They've des- they've that entire look is how is that's a Rivian brand look. Every time you see that you know exactly what that car is. Mm-hmm. Um I w- I would quite like to have a Cybertruck if it was really small. I would if they made a Cybertruck but a wagon version of that, I would sign up in a second. Well, they're going to alter it from what everybody expected, right? That's what those guys do is surprise people. So I think I think We'll see what comes out. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I guess so. So is there anything else you're hunting for? It's just, it's just always like five or six things on the list that you don't want to tell anyone. Because if you told people, then they're going to they're gonna file the 16-valve for VW Golfs. Yeah, I've, I'm really lucky to have the stuff that I have already. I've, I've, uh, I'm still hunting and always looking for, um, you know, my second set of cars in high school was uh, Shelby Mustangs. I think I will probably get into some sort of vintage Mustang. I have a 63 Falcon right now, which is a fun sort of nod to the Monte Carlo Rally and sort of a Euro-American uh, smaller muscle car. But I really Wait, like is that Shelby Australia? Mustangs. Is that- a, fa- a Falcon. I had a seventy. It's not an Aussie Falcon. No, you're talking different different stuff. I, uh, in the I had US, a, they they okay. uh, yeah were early '60s and ran through the '60s and they're specific USA models. Okay, I had a seventy-four Ford Falcon when I lived in Australia. Three Aussie, on the tree. Aussie Falcons are crazy, and there's actually a market for those. And every once in a while, those will trickle into the US, but they don't. They don't stir a lot of interest around here. They were never sold here. The Aussie market ones, and and they're right. sort of sort of different 70s design, um, but they're cool. And down there, they were raced at Bathurst and, and, and sure. crazy super, you know, V8 cars and, and interesting you know things a, that they did. Do you know what a Ford Capri is? Yes, we actually had those in the US. They were branded as Mercury's, unfortunately, but the, the, the really? uh, European ones with the V6s and the 2600s, the RS cars, all those. I mean, there are some very good uh, versions of those, but in America, they don't have a ton of traction. You got to be pretty deep in the Ford uh, motorsport world to care about those. Uh, <laughs> but, but they raced at Spa and stuff, as you know. I mean, they did, they did some big stuff back in the day. I feel like um, you'd have to get up pretty early, really, to to be able to out-reference Randy Nonnenberg on a car, to be able to produce some car that you'd never heard of. I feel like it's almost an impossibility at this point with you. Man, 100,000 I mean, auctions later and 500,000 submissions <laughs> or whatever. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of cars. I'm not that expert by any means. I mean, there's... I just told you almost all that I know about Capri's, like in four sentences, <laughs> right? right? But, but that's pretty good, I, man. That's I pretty can good. make the reference, but after that, it, it runs out. And I know there's people that are super deep on every single model. So those people have me, me handle it beat. But it's fun to talk about all the different dynamics. You know what I saw the other day, which I really like, is a, a Toyota Serra. Okay. Those are unusual with the weirdo doors. You know, yeah, but the, those weirdo doors, allegedly, <laughs> this is what I like. You know, <laughs> you know when... A, 
car is totally unknown, and then but there's one particular fact that maybe mythology may not be, but is attached to that car, and the and the owner will like fall over himself to tell you that right away. So I, so I was like, wow, this is really cool. These doors. And the guy was like, ah, just so you know, these are the doors that inspired what's his face when he designed the uh, McLaren F1. Oh, wow, that's a big claim. That's a big claim. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a, it's it's a strong claim. Yeah. It's a strong claim for that Sarah owner. Gordon Murray is still alive, so that can be <laughs> that can be disputed quickly. That, that yeah. claim will be said much more often after there's no one to dispute it who was there at the time. <laughs> But it's, it's, That's it's right. always tricky when you're making claims about people who are still alive because it can be refuted yeah. really, really quickly. Like guys like you with, I don't know, a couple phone calls, you're, you're the Kevin Bacon <laughs> game away from Gordon Murray. I bet you can get that answer actually in, I don't know, 36 actually, hours. And, and you know uh, what, that, that may be a problem. <laughs> That's actually genius. I would love to know if that's true because it's such an obscure... Uh, it was a K car in Japan, and it's so obscure mm-hmm. that, that the idea that there's this direct line from that, that car to Gordon Murray. You think I'm texting my wife, but whenever we're talking about cars, I always search them on BAT so I can find if we've listed them or what, what they're going for or what the deal is. Wow, we've listed five. No, I don't know why that got brought in there. Three. We've listed three Toyota Serras on BAT. What are they, what are they going for? 1990. Wow, they had a long production run. Two 1990s yeah. and a 95. One of them sold for 12 grand. One of them sold for 11, and one sold for five. So, still a deal. There are still deals out there, man. Toyota Sarahs. <laughs> Maybe uh, our our ticket to fame and fortune is buying up Toyota Sarahs. Let's see. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, I feel like I've taken up a lot of your time. Um, I will say, man, it's been such a joy finally talking to you after the my ignoble depressing <laughs> man i thought crushing defeat was great i thought we were friends all this time and all, all the time i've been harboring rage yeah. man rage and resentment man, i don't i don't know uh, what happened, where i went wrong but i love the car i still got the car man and uh and uh we could drive that thing or come back and drive one of yours and do another podcast about it it'd be fun i would love that man and uh, i'm i'm so glad you have it man and, and honestly thanks again for taking the time to be on the on the show um, I may be getting in touch with a couple of uh, cars shortly, so do it. <laughs> maybe you'll inter- you, you could. <laughs> operators are standing by at BAT all the time for the good stuff. You, you let us know what you got. We're ready. All right. So thanks again, Randy, for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 